0: That's we've come together in a worship service to hear more about you in this group as believers and are those that are seeking and on a journey to understand you more, God, we've come here today because the scriptures have told us that you've already revealed yourself in creation, We already know that we can read about you in the Bible that we can get even on our phone we can hear about you on any television set or any computer you have clearly revealed yourself in a variety of ways but there is something unique about when people come together to hear a word And to hear something that you have to say. Because in the uniqueness of your plan and your will, you have decided to use men to speak through them and to speak to us. And so we've come today, we decided not to podcast. We decided not to just simply read The tweets, but we've decided to come in this room not because we want to just hear more about you, but I believe we come together because we want to encounter the living God, because we want to experience you. We know that the knowledge about you is fading. We we need more of you. And so God, because we've come for that encounter, we also have that anticipation that you'll meet us and if the scriptures really are true that my sheep hear my voice and so God today we come with anticipation and expectation that you will meet us where we are at and the third person of the trinity is real and the spirit of God is alive and you'll fall fresh on us and speak to us we come with that anticipation and that expectation who needs to hear from another man Who needs more human wisdom? What we need is to hear from a God. And so, God, we come with that expectation. We pray that you speak to us. We ask all this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I pray you had a really cool Thanksgiving. Um, If you're here for your very first time today, I am the Pastor James, and I'm really excited that you get a chance to be here and worship with us. Um, I want to make you aware of two announcements that, uh, uh, that we need to let you know about here as a body. Uh, the first is that we have our Authentic Sisterhood Gathering uh, coming up, praise God, this upcoming Saturday. And then we also uh, have our prayer night, and that will be this upcoming Tuesday. Yes, Tuesday, this Tuesday. We'll have our prayer night, and that will be here, and I believe it will be in the sanctuary right here. So we pray that you get a chance to not only come out, but to come with an attitude of intercession that you would be prayed for and that you would pray for others. So we pray that that would be a blessing to you. We know that it has been a blessing to our community. Well, uh, it's really um, an interesting series that we're in, uh, a challenging one. Maybe not the fun series that we could talk about, But it's a series that's necessary because we believe wherever you're at today, you will be at a place where you may feel stuck. And it's not just for, you know, I turned 39 this week, so uh, this is where I'm supposedly supposed to have a midlife crisis. But, you know, I think that people at this point in their age can have a quarter life crisis. where, Where life in your 20s is not what you thought it would be. You know, if I asked you right now, where do you see yourself in the next five years? That's an exciting question. It's anticipation and it's hopeful. But if I were to ask you, are you where you thought you would be? Has life really met your expectations like you thought they would? The reality is, is that for many of us, there's a challenge that we have that emotionally, I I thought I would be over some things that I'm really stuck on. Relationally, I thought I would just be at a different place. I really thought that I would be married or I thought marriage would be just better than what it really is. Physically, I just thought I would be at a different place. And if that's not a place where you're at, the reality of life is that you will at some point be at this crossroads of not seeing God meet your expectations. And that's really the question that we're trying to answer. What do you do? Not if. There will be a point, but what do you do when life with God has not met your expectations? You will be tempted to feel jealous. You will be tempted to be resentful. You will be tempted to compare your life to someone else. And everybody else has the life you thought you wanted. Everybody else has the relationships or the finances you thought you wanted. And you will be tempted to conclude that you have been abandoned by God you'll be tempted you'll be tempted to con- conclude that nothing good can come from the situation you're in that there's no point to continuing and you may be upset com- uh, depressed or confused with why god chose for you to be in the situation that you are in at some point you will feel stuck I apologize already for some of the sermons that you've heard, where you heard miracle after miracle. I praise God for miracles that God can do. I trust God for miracles. I trust him that he is a transformation agent, and I know that. But what I also know is that through the breakthrough, there's just life being faithful. The Christian life is really just a day-by-day faithfulness of trusting God. And more times than not, it's just a struggle, and we're all kind of struggling through it. And so we want to be with you in this struggle. We want to be with you if you are feeling stuck. We have our uh, website that we want to, or rather our email address. Um, if you feel like you are in that season right now, we want you to email us just so that we can have a better understanding of where you're at right now. We also want to be able to pray for you in a more detailed way. So we ask that you would email us at info at Bridge Church NYC and just let us into your world. Let us know that we are actually, we've gotten a lot of good feedback about this series thus far, but we do want to be able to hear more from you about where you're at. The good news is that for this kind of situation that we get into, um, I know I personally have met people uh, who have been stuck in unchangeable, unalterable, tough circumstances. Um, But when you meet them, there seems to be a peace that they have when you meet them, uh, they were able to see that what was happening to them was really from God. And they were able to work through it based upon that trust in the Lord. I wonder if you've ever met anybody like that. They completely hate the situation that they're in. And with the same kind of passion, they completely trust the God that put them in it. Have you ever met anybody like that who just has absolute peace, absolute joy, and absolute patience? Not, it's, not, it's not that they enjoy where they're at, but they have joy from the God that they serve. Have you ever met anybody like that? My, my uh, senior year in college, my roommate, his father had cancer. He had lost all his hair. He was, I mean, when I say cancer, I mean terminal cancer. He knew that he only had a year. And when you met him, you didn't, see, you didn't feel the weight of the cancer. And, it was, and I was amazed when I talked to him. I said, you know, Mr. Garcia, you're, 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 you're cancer. I know it's really tough. And, you know, he says, oh, it's tough. It is tough. But he says, James, and then he went for 20 minutes and began to minister to me about the love and the grace of God. He began to tell me about how good God was. And then what was crazy is that I could tell it wasn't a joke or a game because when he was done talking to me, he went in his room and praise God, I mean, literally praise God for an hour by himself. And I was like, he's, he's at another level than me right now in my walk with God. I need to grow up because he's doing something I'm not. Because if I had cancer when I was 22, the number one question I would have is, have you realized, or don't you understand, God, the plans that I had? You you know that, you know that, right? And and so I was amazed. Have you ever met anybody like that? People who have just a certainty about what God is doing, but but they're still in pain with their situation, but a certainty of peace and, and joy. You can be like that. You can be like that. There's no reason why any circumstance or situation has to define you. The people that we hear about and the people we see in the Scriptures aren't that far from us because the Spirit of the living God lives inside of us. So that life and lifestyle is not that far from us. The difficult thing that we have to do, though, as we work through these kind of moments is, is realize is that in a Western kind of, uh, of culture, um, it, it's, it's unique. Um, we had Black Friday on Friday, and uh, you, know, it, you know, there's this weird moment where we have Thanksgiving and then we go out and we, we really start shopping and stuff like that and get crazy about it. Um, but in a western culture kind of the 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 height of all gift giving is when someone says you know what that's exactly what i wanted you knew you knew what i wanted and people go crazy to get people stuff that they think the person would want so it's really about giving the receiver pleasure it's really not about the giver and their purposes it's about the receiver's pleasure and in the same way, we give gifts, and we're very materialistic in this culture, and we also parent uh, a bit different, or at least the way that we see our, the way we see our theology is a bit different, because more times than not, we see cooperation as evidence of goodness. So the minute that we see that God is not cooperating with us, um, there's some people that no longer believe God even exists, because he doesn't cooperate with them anymore. Now, you know that couldn't work with our parents because with our parents, they clearly did not always cooperate with us. And then we could not say, well, you don't exist because you don't cooperate with my will. The fact of the matter is, is that we believed that they had a more developed understanding of life. And so their lack of cooperation did not equate love or, or it did not discount love. And so that's difficult for us. Because we believe that our God should line up with our will. We believe that our gifts should be exactly what we wanted. What happens when God gives you a gift for his purposes? What happens when God gives you a circumstances for his purposes and he's still the same God that loves you? And this is a very... I don't care if you've been a Christian a day or 20 days, or 30 years. You can grow up significantly today. You can live at a great level of maturity if you can understand this profound mystery in the Scriptures. Understanding how to suffer well with your God. Just understanding that theology. When you you look in the Word of God, when when you read the Bible, you'll discover that the Christian faith is not, as I said, one miracle after another. But the men and women who bring us the stories of Jesus had a very different perspective on suffering than we do. And the idea of receiving or viewing adversity as coming from God uh, comes from a guy that we know of as Paul. Um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 2 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Paul... Um, has an interesting background for those of you that don't know who he is um, and he was a unique person. He actually used to get permission from the government to be able to kill Christians and he would go from city to city trying to exterminate Christians. in Very, very much what we would consider a terrorist. Someone who was trying to commit genocide against the people. And then Paul gets converted, and then after he gets converted, he leaves everything to follow Jesus. Everything. Prestige, fame, friends. Went a very long time without friends just to follow Jesus. For 20 years, he ends up in the mission field planting churches. After he becomes a Christian, um, something happens to him. The scriptures tell us that There was something that was hindering him. We don't know exactly what it was, but there was something that was hindering him from doing what he knew God had called him to do. And God was telling him to plant churches, but he seems to have some problem. And there's a kind of a question like, well, do you want me to plant churches or not? But then he has this problem where he can't fulfill the thing that he knows God wants him to do. So here's this tension that we have. And Paul had plenty of faith, plenty of trust, but he still landed himself in this tough circumstance. Second um, Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. Uh, it says, therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Now let me just open you up to some, something real brief. When he says, I was given, the word there, given, uh, it means to be granted or bestowed. It's the kind of word that you would use if you gave someone a gift. Notice it doesn't say, I was cursed with. Notice it, it doesn't say, I was punished by. But what it does say was, I was gifted I was bestowed, this idea, even if you dig deeper in the word, what it's saying is that I was given this for the sake of an advantage. This was given to me. And so there's this tension that we have because he says, I was given a thorn in my flesh. Now, this idea of a thorn, it's this constant irritating problem, something that he can't shake, something that he can't get by easily. And the word torment there is, don't, don't think deeply about it. It means torment. It means he's getting tortured by it. It means it's keeping him up and it's bothering him to no end. And he says it's a, he says a messenger of Satan. And so um, these are one of these texts where the scholarship is all over the place. I mean, some people believe that there was an actual messenger from Satan himself. But most scholars would say that this is actually just kind of a play on words. Like if something says, this hurts like the devil, what it's getting at is kind of a a larger statement about the problem. It feels evil. That's what it gets at. But if we read the text for what it just said, he says, I was given a gift, but the gift is irritating. So it feels like an oxymoron. You know, an oxymoron is when you say jumbo shrimp, two things that don't seem like they should go together. So an irritating gift. If I give a gift that irritates my wife, our relationship struggles. An irritating gift. And so we don't know all the different theological elements of where this could be. Here's what we know. This was painful. It was humiliating and debilitating. Then it gets even more intense in verse 8. He says, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me. Three times. Now, I want you to understand, when he says times there, he doesn't mean, he said, take it away, take it away, take it away. He didn't just say, I said three times. The word times there in Greek, what it's getting at is a period of time, a season. He says, I went through three seasons of my life where I asked God to deliver me from this thing. That's what he's saying. So it could have been a a day, most likely not. It probably was years. I I, I pleaded with God. And the word beg there, what it it means is um, beg. (laughs) Pleaded. I, I, I kept asking God. I just kept begging God. I pleaded with, I begged God to take it away. I mean, do you feel the weight of this? You feel the weight of this in your own life. Not, this is wrecking my life, and I'm I'm begging you to take it away. And I didn't I didn't ask you for a day. I you know I kept coming at you, and so I just want I just want to well I'll go to that later. Um, three seasons of prayer, verse nine. He says. But he said to me. Now there's some good news there. Because he spoke to him. Right now, one of the deepest things you want is just God to speak into the situation you're in. And so there's some promises there, right? That he'll speak in. That his sheep really do hear his voice. That God has not left you alone. He wants to talk to you through this. He says, he said to me, my, he said to me, my grace is, is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And What he says there is that grace, this idea that you'll be possessed with unfailing strength. And he will give you the power and the strength To press on. In fact, what he goes on to say, one author said that the greater the degree that we sense our weakness, the more that we'll be ready to experience God's power. Last week, we talked about how Jesus was saying that how the Messiah had transformed people, how he had helped the blind see, how he helped the lame walk, how he cleansed lepers. And so we know that he can be a God of transformation. But here, Paul pleads with him three times, and essentially God says no. He says, no, I'm I'm not going to change the situation. But what I will do is I will give you my grace. I will give you the strength to endure it. I will give you the power, the idea of sufficiency. I will give you the power to endure the trial and the torment that you're facing. So the the beauty in this is that either God will meet us by transforming the circumstance or He will meet us by sustaining us in it, by giving us power to endure. But either way, He hears. Either way, He responds. And so there's trust that we can have because of that. He goes on to say, therefore, I will boast gladly, I will, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. What a, what a counter-cultural thought. I'm actually going to boast in the weaknesses I have because I believe that those weaknesses are an opportunity for Christ's power to rest on me. So I don't really hide from my weaknesses, I expose them. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think he's going around saying what he's bad at. You know, I'm bad at math, and I, I don't like to take out the trash. I don't think he's just going around saying things he's bad at. I think what he's saying is, listen, I don't hide from where I'm weak because I am certain of Christ's power to use my weaknesses. He, he, he in essence, in verse 10, says, that is why, for the Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. Who who says stuff like this? I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. (laughs) Who says stuff like this? Only Christians say stuff like this. Well, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Well, why? Because of Jesus. Jesus. It's his strength that I rely on. And so when I see weaknesses and frailties and when I sense the cancer is in my body, I hate the cancer, but I love the power he gives me. I anticipate his power. That's what he's saying. And so he doesn't have to hide or pretend or lie. He can be. He can embrace his weaknesses. He can embrace his frailties. He doesn't have to act strong all the time. In fact, he can rely more on God's strength. I I fundamentally believe that when we embrace our inability, it's a prerequisite to experience Christ's ability. But that's, that's our challenge. That he has power available to us when we offer him our weaknesses, when we offer him our suffering. He gives us and promises us power. Um, The gift that was given to Paul was with the purpose of his will and the promise of his grace. The purpose of his will and the promise of his grace. And we can rely that God has some kind of higher purpose I don't understand but I can be certain that he has grace that will sustain me. And the challenge that we have to, to, to embrace this is that if you believe God, listen, if you believe God can change your circumstances but chooses not to, what do you do? <laughs> Don't you believe he can do anything? Because if God can change it and just chooses not to, where do we go? We have the option to receive this as a gift from our precious God and embrace the grace that He will give us to sustain us through whatever situation that He places us in. I think that we get another picture of this in Luke chapter 22 in the Garden of Gethsemane. Our very salvation comes from this. And Jesus, the Scripture says He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. In the verse 42, it says, Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me. This idea of a cup, this task, this burden you have gifted me. But then he says, yet not my will, but yours be done. And I just look there in the verse, in verse 42, he says, if you're willing, if you would rather something different I'd love for you to take this away from me, this cup, this suffering that I will have. But he says, ultimately, I will accept this gift from you because I realize that it serves a greater purpose. And in the end, he says, not my will, but yours be done. And it is with that choice that he endures that we see the cross of Jesus Christ extending to us that he stays there in the garden on our behalf and suffers on our behalf. And God's plan was grander than what we could have imagined. And this gift of the cross came with this purpose and a promise. Think just for a second every trial that you have been in, in your life, when I think about my trials, I can't think of one I would have chosen. I mean, honestly, do you think you would have chosen any trial that you have been in in your life? But I'll take the results. I'll take them. When I was in it, it was hard. Last week, I shared with you, I went into a church, and after the third month, I begged God to please take me away from this church. I did not want to be the pastor anymore. And I stayed in that church for five years. And month after month, week after week, year after year, I wondered, what are you doing? And with tears in my eyes, I begged God, change it. And I walked into another year, and the same people were there. And the same trial I was in. But I can affirm to you that he sustained me. But I not only affirm to you his sustaining grace, but he matured me. And he built in things inside of me that I could not have imagined on my own. And he gave me wisdom that I couldn't have imagined and strength that I could not have imagined. I wouldn't have chosen it, but I received the results. And I believe for all of us today, we have that choice. I cannot force you to embrace where you're at right now. I certainly can't make you enjoy it. But I think there is so much value in taking a moment and trusting that God has given you this circumstance. That it has come by his sovereign will and his choice. And if he chose it for you, then he will give you the grace to be sustained through it. And then you can trust that he has a bigger purpose and a plan with it. You see, if we don't believe that, then we start going into this darker place of not trusting God at all. If you're not a Christian here today, then these are more difficult words, quite possibly. And on some level playing field, I guess we have to say things like everything happens for a reason. And that's helpful. But there's so, it's, it's so much better knowing that everything is happening because my sovereign God is working things together. And so this afternoon, we have decisions that we have to make. That this same Jesus that died on our behalf, he now gives us entryway into a life where we can trust any circumstance we're in, that they're in his hand. I wonder if we could just take a second just to pray. Would you pray with me? Father, right now we we are in this kind of moment where we're seeking your will and we're suffering through it. We ask that you, Heavenly Father, would give us the sustaining grace that you promise here in the scriptures. But for some of us, a relationship with you is not even where we can start. God, for many of us, we just have to begin to get back to following you again. And so, Lord, I I just ask that you would move on the hearts of those that are not certain of their relationship with Jesus. For those that are not confident in your grace, Father, I pray that you would just even now move on those people's hearts who are, who lack the confidence in you. If there's anyone here today that is not certain that Christ has died for their sin and they want to follow or you've gotten off the path of following Jesus and you want to follow Again, we ask that you would boldly just lift up your hand, and that today would be the day of salvation for you, and that you would have certainty in your walk with God. If anyone is uncertain of their relationship. Father, we we thank you for those that are here and are under our watch to hear your word. God, as we begin to sing, I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would just take this moment to just pray, God, that we would just seek your face and pray, God, that we would take this moment to just be prayed for so that we could trust in these promises and trust in your word. As we sing, God, help us to rest. To rest in your will. To rest in the the promises and the truths of Scripture. Prepare our hearts as we sing.